lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre coming up on today's program at the bottom of this hour. We'll have some Pop Culture Tuesday. We will remind you that the war against COVID, Stan, is not over. And of all places, the next battlefront is the once and potentially future NBA champion Golden State Warriors. So we will get into that here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we have a video clip for Fake News or Not that we are going to play for you that all of us sincerely hope is entirely, holistically, and completely fake news. But we suspect that it's not. And if it's not, what does that mean? We will have that very uncomfortable conversation coming up next hour. Also, the election that no one is talking about that may end up having a big impact on the culture war. We'll get into that uh, coming up next hour as well. All that and more after I tell you about my friends over at Better Spectacles, because if you've got a problematic prescription like me and you are struggling to not have to get the dorky frames, you don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to wear the dorky frames anymore because of our friends over at Better Spectacles. They just hooked my wife up with a new pair of glasses as well. Uh, She was blown away by how much better she is seeing than she was before with her old prescription and her old glasses. If you want to get handcrafted Rodenstock frames, what are those? What I'm wearing, by the way. German engineered, 140 plus year old company, one of the gold standards in the industry over 500 patents available now for wide distribution here in the u.s and they will give them to you for free as part of their introductory offer when you get 61 percent off their ghost spec lenses from better spectacles and you get the free handcrafted rodent stock frames to get you started for their introductory offer when you go to betterspectacles.com slash steve again go there now to betterspectacles.com slash steve and now it is time for Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the American Kangaroo Court. The January 6th committee is set to hold what amounts to a show trial or kangaroo court in prime time on Thursday evening, unveiling evidence they concocted that ties Donald Trump to the events at the Capitol on that day. Nearly every major cable television news network is set to air the proceedings, and some members of the January 6th committee want to do away with the Electoral College because that uh, definitely has everything to do with what happened that day. Here's Maryland Representative Jamie Raskin. The Electoral College is an undemocratic relic of the early Constitution, just like uh, the state legislature's selection of U.S. senators, which is something we got rid of in uh, 1913 with the 17th Amendment, just like the exclusion of women from voting, which we got rid of um, in 1920 in the 19th Amendment. Speaking of the January 6th committee, committee member Liz Cheney was involved with the subpoena of one witness to the events at the Capitol that day. That was before she sent that same individual a campaign fundraising letter. The Department of Justice yesterday charged five members of the Proud Boys organization with seditious conspiracy related to January 6th. This comes days after former 
Trump economic advisor Peter Navarro was arrested by the FBI for failing to comply with a subpoena from the committee. He spoke to Fox News's Tucker Carlson last night. The, the mission of that partisan witch hunt kangaroo committee, which is unduly authorized and not properly constituted and has no subpoena power, they have only one mission, to concoct a fake hoax around January 6th based on criminal charges against Trump to prevent him from running for re-election uh, in, in taking back the White House in 2025, January. That's all this is about. And Moving on, MSNBC has some thoughts about conservative media. You go to Facebook on a daily basis, the most, the posts with the most engagement are from Dan Shapiro, or Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Candace Owens. It is right-wing content. It dwarfs progressive content. It dwarfs mainstream media content, which is actually should be the part that scares us the most, that Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire has more followers and engagement, many times more than The New York Times or CNN. That is a problem for democracy. Joe Biden has invoked the Defense Production Act in order to remove tariffs on supplies for solar panels in order to progress his Green New Deal climate agenda. A new study from Germany claims areas with forced masking had a higher COVID case fatality rate. The study was authored by German doctor Zacharias Fogen and studied counties in Kansas between August and October of 2020. Kansas was chosen because each individual county there was able to choose for themselves whether or not to enact a mask mandate. The study suggests mask mandates were associated with 1.5 times the number of deaths compared to no mask mandates. The study also hypothesized something called the Fogen effect, which suggests that viral particles spread deeper into the respiratory tract because they're broken up by the mask instead of being blocked altogether. The Washington Post has suspended journalist Dave Weigel for a month without pay for retweeting a joke the company found sexist. The joke reads, every girl is bi, you just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. Yes, the same institution that doesn't know what a woman is found that joke sexist. And finally, the left-wing publication Vice recently announced they're attempting to sell off the company because apparently, surprise, it's not making any money. Here's how one Vice blogger reacted. So if you're a venture capitalist watching this, I'm urging you to buy Vice so you can keep it together and we can keep creating articles. Like, there's no bigger turn on than watching my partner sleep with another man. Cucks tell us about the first time they were cucked. Gay men are getting into cucking. We talked to a professional cuck about the alt-right. And he didn't like it. The secret lives of cuckolding gigolos of India. And the women with the cheating fetish. And it's like society doesn't even care about real journalism these days. How to have gay sex without being gay. Why so many straight men are having sex with gay men. The more straight people drink, the more they're into gay sex. Scally lads are Brits who like to smell stinky socks and have sex in tracksuits. It's a classic. I mean, when I was younger, I wish I had bloggers to explain to me what it would be like to live life as a heterosexual man. You know, I'm just begging venture capital, please pour more money into us. Our work is not close to done. That's comedian Ryan Long, and that's what happened while we were away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it got so much better. I bet that it did. I bet that it did. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Make sure you are ready for when, oh, the next time. That could never happen here. Uh, it, it ends up happening here. Get the three-month emergency food kit from our friends at My Patriot Supply. You get free shipping and $150 off if you get it at preparewithdace.com, the special landing page for our listeners and viewers at preparewithdace.com. Go there now. Take advantage of this special offer. Three square meals a day, including snacks and drinks. That's over 2,000 calories for each and every person in your home that you care about. And you'll have peace of mind of knowing that you're prepared just in case it goes down 
and you're prepared for up to 25 years with proper storage. When you go to preparewithdace.com, again, $150 off, free shipping at preparewithdace.com. Coming up in the overtime today, I want to discuss, I mean, literally it's because they're a demonic cult. Obviously, they don't see it that way. So why does it seem as if the Democratic Party is making no overtures as we head now into the halfway point of the year? Um, What is the election uh, five months from today, I believe, exactly? Okay, so uh, you're running out of time to make serious inroads in the economy and have it hit and land in a way that the American people would feel it by the time we get to win, they'll vote, right? Mm-hmm. You don't sense any kind of sense of urgency over there on uh, Team do. Donkey, do you? No. No. So the real reason is because they are a demonic cult. Now, they would not acknowledge that, though. So politically, why? I will explain today in the overtime, and then I'll let you guys react and respond. And we'll do that for Blaze TV subscribers right after we conclude today's program. We will record it for you, and then it will be uploaded for you today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace, and that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber today for a discount. blazetv.com slash d-e-a-c-e. A quick note on Dave Weigel. So I have, I have watched this go down with Dave Weigel from the Washington Post over the last several days. And I, I have not commented on it for a very specific reason. Because I have known Dave Weigel for a long time. Now, most of my knowing of him and dealings with him were before he joined the cult of the Washington Post newsroom. And, and I have seen things from him since that period of time uh, on his Twitter feed that I would not have seen from him before because bad company corrupts good character. But I will tell you that the reason why I knew him for many years is because he was one of the best political reporters in the United States. And certainly one of the fairest. You actually told the audience this like a couple months ago. I don't remember the context. Yeah, I don't remember it either. This is not the first time you've mentioned him recently. I mean, Dave's even been a guest in my own home. Yeah. He's been a guest in my home. And I didn't mention this while he was being raked through the coals because frankly, I thought someone like me coming to his defense might (laughs) make it worse, right? But now that the verdict is in and he has been given a one-month suspension without pay... For an innocuous joke from, as Aaron pointed out in his montage, an entity that can't even define for you what a woman is. I I just wanted to state that for the record. I I know that Dave has poo-pooed the notion of cancel culture and things of that nature. And and frankly, after I kind of saw the direction he was leaning once he got fully immersed, you know, immersed, baptized, full immersion into the WAPO culture... I just haven't followed his work that closely. So <clears throat> this could very well be one hell of a case of schadenfreude. I'm not, I'm not here to say that Dave Weigel, you know, hasn't somewhat made his own bed with the people that he works with. I'm just here to say, and I just feel obligated morally, that in another era, I knew this man somewhat well and had extensive dealings with him. And he was very fair. Fair enough that I even let him come and come to my home and meet my family and have conversations with me there on an, on one occasion. So I, I just I wanted to state that for the record. 
now I want to share with you something. You know, Aaron led off with, you know, they're ramping up the January 6th narrative because it's the, it's the only thing they have. They, they don't have anything else. Nothing else. As our friend Julie Kelly pointed out earlier this morning, not a single member of the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers was indicted on a weapons charge. How in the world were you going to overthrow the government with a mobile phone and costumes? This is the worst insurrection of all time. <clears throat> I received a note, though, this morning. I posted it on my Twitter page. By the end of the day today, it'll be up on all of my social media feeds. That's Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab. Look for Steve Dace there. At Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Uh, you'll be able to find it as well. Uh, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. But I, I wanted to share this note for you in the audience. This note comes from one of the January Sixers, Sixers, and I will leave his name, personal information out of it. Not that he's asked me to, but I will just do so of my own accord. I listen to your podcast and I follow Julie Kelly's reporting. And it's every bit as bad as she describes I am a husband and a father who has zero criminal history, and I'm looking at years in prison after I took a plea. You may ask, why would people take a plea if they are innocent? Innocent has nothing to do with this, as my lawyer has told me over and over again. This is about payback. There are only a handful of representatives in D.C. that care about us. The vast majority couldn't care less. They secretly despise Trump and anyone on the 6th as well. The DOJ knows this, so they know there will be no reform of this government. There will be no going back. All there is now is the path ahead, but that path will never lead back to the country we once were. I watched for four years as our government that I pay taxes for tried to impeach and even oust our president with sheer impunity. Hillary's smearing stunt morphed into a coup that lasted Trump's entire term. Then I watched the election get stolen from the American people. So I went to D.C. to support the way I thought best. I wasn't violent. I didn't break anything. I didn't steal anything. And none of that matters. I lost my six-figure income. Friends and my family is a wreck. I had the FBI in my home. I was brought before a judge in shackles. And I'm a lucky one. I got to remain free until my sentencing. So this is the country that I now live in, where the powerful few can attack an elected president attempting to remove him for four years and where elections no longer matter. We are no longer free, and this country was taken from us without firing a single shot. Guns are meaningless at this point. It was the First Amendment that people should have been fighting for the most. I am now barely making a living doing manual labor for just over minimum wage until my sentencing is over. I was threatened with 20 years in prison, something only murderers typically face. We couldn't change the venue, and none of the motions to dismiss were accepted. So at the pleading of my wife, the extreme bias of D.C. and it's a jury pool of my peers and advice of my lawyer, I destroyed a part of me and signed a paper full of exaggerations, lies, and more importantly, a narrative that fits what they want. I am a Christian and somehow feel damned. I lied to save my family. My pastor tells me about rehab, but it doesn't help. I don't look at myself in the mirror anymore. A part of me is dead now. I now wake up longing for the Lord to take me. January 6th was a dark day. There was violence by some, and that's reprehensible. No one should have broken anything or stolen anything or hurt anyone. Having said that, January 6th should also be remembered as the last outburst from people who were sick of the coups against Trump. 
the lies about Russiagate, the double standard of the Bidens and how they obtained their wealth and compared to the treatment of Trump, the double standard of BLM rioters and everyone else, the forced LGBTQ pumped into our children's minds at schools while trying to shut out God at every corner, the endless wars, the celebrations of abortions, the government spending that has put children not even born into lifelong dead and the list goes on and on. This was the last cry out for the death of a nation. I don't know what's going to happen to my family while I am gone for years. My wife is dependent on me our whole marriage. She is the only woman I have ever been with, the only woman I have ever loved. I hope she and my kids can make it without me. I'm a January Sixer, and I am going to prison. Gentlemen, your thoughts on what I just shared. I'm in that position I tell you before. I think about it every day. Steve and I had a conversation just yesterday off the air as it relates to trying to find the right language. Both of us are writers. You know how gifted Steve is as a storyteller on multiple fronts. I, I, what else needs to be said? How does it need to be said to know that what this man is dealing with is something that you will not be able to escape in one way or the other. They are all coming for you too. You will not need to show up to the Capitol. Eventually, you will just need to use the wrong pronoun. You will, I mean, look at the uh, in Aaron's montage, that guy on MSNBC talking about Ben Shapiro. The fact that Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire and the Blaze clearly, and Steve, the fact that we exist and get to say things, he his words is a threat to democracy. The fact that we get to exist and say things is the definition of democracy. But he's gaslighting you. And in your comfort, as I tell you all the time, you sit there and you take it. And you think... It's not going to come to you. You can just keep your ducks in a row and be nice about it and still have what you have. Meanwhile, I just saw somebody talking about all the residential property that's being bought up in Texas. And there's that refrain, you will not own things and you will be happy about it. At every turn, they are coming for you. Just like this guy. Just like Peter Navarro. You must act now. Because you just will not have an opportunity to act later. It will be the gulags for you. History has told the tale. There's nothing new under the sun. You aren't special, Snowflake. Pick a side. Now. What Todd just said is is p- quite possibly the most true thing that has ever been said on this show. No offense, Steve. I'm mm. sure you would have... None taken. I, I, I would, I'm sure you would agree on some level with that. Because what we thought just just... Just on the slippery slope, what we thought was impossible 10 years ago to happen in 10 years ago, possible in the future, but not 10 years ago, is becoming true under before our very eyes. Children at a bar handing handing cash to dudes who think they're women. Those are the examples I used to make clad. when the gay marriage Clothing. issue was hot. I yep. used to say, those are the things we're going to see. We're going to see. And y'all would call me and email me. Slippery slope arguments and their fallacies never happen. Steve, you don't know what you're talking Steve, about. even you would say, though, yeah. did you think it would happen this fast? No, I didn't think it would happen this fast. Nobody did. No. Even even people who, who believe those extreme examples, never. N- none of us thought this, this would happen this fast. 
we're, th- we're, we're, we're growing thin. I'm sorry. We're, we're getting down to the wire here. We are thin on time. The things with the rainbow jihad we would have never expected to happen this ha- fast are happening right now. What's to say what's happening right now with the January 6th detainees, political prisoners in the gulag couldn't happen just as fast. They are coming for us. Does that frighten you? Does that frighten you? I'm not sure what else there is to say here. There are things we can do today. Strengthen your own local community. In, In this specific context, get to know your local sheriff. Things like that. Get to know your local police. Who Who's actually running things? Are you going to be isolated if and when they come for you? There, there are things that you can do to prepare. But but folks, the Capitol, once they set you in their, your, in their sights, once they set you in their sights, it's basically like a, a crocodile grasp. It's a, it's a crocodile. There's no getting out of it. There's no getting out of it. They're showing this. They're making a point of this entire narrative. What are you going to do about it? I can't think of a story in my career that better exemplifies and personifies the cultures and behaviors of the two major political parties than this story. Everything I've ever said piecemeal throughout the course of my career at any given time during any particular issue or controversy or policy fight about the two parties, it, it's all captured in this story. The Democrats will do whatever they want to you without any fear of reprisal, without any recognition of constitutional limits whatsoever. Because the only thing that matters is compliance. How dare you not comply with our agenda? How dare you not comply with our narrative? As Todd, you, I thought, very, um, I, I think, well connected the dots between what they were saying about who's leading in those Facebook posts and who gets the most audience. Um, it's because it really is the same story. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then you will, you and I will bend over backwards, crawl over broken glass in response to this truth. You and I will bend over backwards and crawl over broken glass to elect a bunch of Republicans that wouldn't be caught dead with us and couldn't be bothered to lift a finger for us. Every Republican in Washington, D.C., every single one, should be asking the following three questions. Number one, who is Ray Epps and where did he come from? Number two, where are the 14,000 plus hours of surveillance video that were not released to the public and what is, the, what is the reason you would not release that to the public? Number three, 
the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers are the two most infamous groups in the media narrative about January 6th. How could not a single one of them be indicted for a weapons charge? How did they propose to successfully overthrow the U.S. government? I know Republicans love the low-lying fruit talking point. I just gave you three of them. I just gave you three of them. You don't have to break a sweat. You don't have to spend any political capital at all. You can say whatever you want about the people on video beating cops. You can. Uh, 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 this, is, this is as easy as it gets. You just have to care. You have to care about the damn people who vote for you. You have to care more about your voters and constituents than your plans. And your plots and your ambitions for the future. You have to see, as Aaron pointed out, we are in the end game now. All we need you to do is care. Those are three easy questions. Who is Ray Epps and where did he come from? Where are the 14,000 plus hours of surveillance video? How is it possible that the two ringleader groups of this that you have stirred the most frenzy against in your media for the last going on two years and that they are the tip of the sphere of the spear of an insurrection and no one's charged with a weapons charge what were they going to insurrect with blogs i'm not even going to ask you to get into what happened to the murder of Ashley Babbitt or the rest of that. We're not even going to ask you to go there. We should. We should. But we know better. We know better. Many of you that are living in the state of Pennsylvania right now, you're going to be on your knees election night, begging, hoping, praying, Dr. Oz wins that Senate seat. For what? So he can turtle when they come for you? These are three simple questions that would utterly destroy their narrative and set a precedent that they will not be able to use the actions of a few to brand the many going forward. And I promise you, if they won't do that now, they never will. It's never going to be easier than it is right now. Things are only going to get harder from here. Only harder. The roaring lion has been unleashed, seeking whom it may devour. Things will only get harder from here. So if they can't do this now, they never will. Might I suggest that everyone within the sound of my voice not love their politicians more than they love you. 
not fight harder for your politicians than they fight for you. That's not a good business model. And we are the CEOs here. Three simple questions. Who is Ray Epps and where did he come from? Where are the 14,000 hours of surveillance video? How is it not a single proud boy or oath keeper was given a weapons charge? Not a single one. What were they going to insurrect with? And they should all be on message. All of them. And if they're not, well, it's times like these you find out who your friends are. And often Republicans look at people like you and say, what do you mean we Lone Ranger? But show up to vote in November. Otherwise you hate America or something. The spirit of the age, as Todd said, is coming for every single one of you. Our buddy Phil Kirpin today. Google Drive refused to let him share a document on nursing home COVID deaths because it violated their terms of service. If it hasn't knocked on your door, it will. I promise. There is a cool new app out right now, Public Square or Public SQ. It's available in your iTunes store or your Android store as well uh, for your Google phone, if your Google Play store. Uh, and here's what's cool about this. And they're trying to get into every state in the country. Uh, more and more, it's obvious that we need to create an alternative economy. We need to do whatever we can, whenever we can, to stop directly funding our enemies. Okay. And, uh, but, but where do you go? And where are those options? That's where Public SQ comes in. Uh, it seeks to help build the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses that our nation has ever seen. It is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans in their local community and businesses that share their values as well. Get the app, find out if your state is already on their map. If it's not, and you've got a business, by the way, that you would like listed for free, uh, they can do that for you as well. Download the app today, Public SQ for Public Square, Public SQ is the name of the app. We the Patriots USA is the name of the organization that uh, our family has donated to several times over the last couple of years because they were one of the few, frankly, that uh, that ran uh, to the battle uh, once the invasion of COVID Stan began. Brian Festa is one of the attorneys there. We welcome him back to the show. Good to see you again, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me back. You bet. And so you've got we've got a few cases that we want to talk about with you that you guys are working on right now. But one that kind of fits into this segment where we talk about pop culture and conservatism each and every week. So the Golden State Warriors are on the brink of perhaps again being, I think, a four time NBA champion, at least in the Steph Curry era. They've got to get through the Boston Celtics, of course, and that series is just tied one to one. But in the midst of trying to win an NBA title, they have decided to impose some COVID stand tyranny on one of their employees. You guys have taken up this case. Tell us about it. Yeah, so actually, this is really new. Uh, we, I just spoke to the employee yesterday. His name is Jason. I'm not going to reveal his full name at this time because we have to get uh, all of the legal 
uh, documentation in order, all of our ducks in a row before we uh, officially uh, announce it to all of our, our members. But I'm sort of breaking the news on your show today. Uh, he's a maintenance technician. So think of this like, you know, I'm my, my first love was baseball. OK, so um, think of this as like the grounds crew for mm -hmm. the NBA mm -hmm. he takes care of flooring. He takes care of the basketball hoops. Uh, he basically keeps the lights on for the players so the millionaires can go out and have some fun and <laughs> make all their money. Um, he was told he applied for religious exemption. Uh, he was denied. Uh, he was uh, placed on administrative leave. Uh, and it's my understanding is not being paid right now. He is uh, a member of a union, um, but, uh, but I'm know, sure has he, his back and will justify all those dues that he's paid all these years, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. you, you know how how the unions go. So yes. anyway, no, he's not really receiving a lot of help from the union. That's why he reached out to us. Um, and I spoke with him just yesterday and told him. I spoke to our legal team. I consulted our. our excellent attorneys. They've agreed to take this on. So we are going to fund this case. But of course, we rely, as you know, on donations, generous donors like yourself and your wife. We very much appreciate the support you've given us. Um, and we, we rely on donations to sustain our mission, our efforts. We have a lot of these lawsuits still going on. A lot of people think that this is over. Mm -hmm. um, you think that this is over you're you're not really paying attention i mean if you only watch the mainstream media you might think that covid stand is over but it's far from over and as i said i think the very first time you had me on steve we tried to select cases that would be precedent setting against what i call big fish defendants well there's not many more big fish defendants than an nba basketball team uh, so if you go to wethepatriotsusa.org, you can make a donation. I don't even have a, it's such a new case. I don't even have a fundraiser page up specifically for Jason's case. I hope to have that up later today, but you can make just a general donation and put a note there that it's for uh, Jason's case against the Golden State Warriors. So I think this is important for people to understand that I know it feels like Brian, you just pointed out. I know it feels like for much of America that this has gone away. All right. But understand that it did so arbitrarily. Okay, and it did so without a lot of precedence being set for what it would for what thresholds it would have to meet to justify returning again. All right. And, and that's on purpose. They, they yanked a lot of this because the political heat was just beyond scorching and, and they were afraid of a trucker convoy in America that made candidates look like, you know, romper room. All right. And and so they, they don't ever want to show over there on Team Spirit of the Age, they don't ever want to show any weakness. They, they don't ever want to admit that you have any leverage or power at all, so they just arbitrarily got rid of that before the water boiled over in the pot. But all the precedents that they established along the way are all still there and remain at any point in time. Like when they tried running the mask up for monkeypox, a sexually transmitted infection, by the way, mask up for monkeypox, they tried that yesterday, and it got so destroyed that they took it down 24 hours later. But that's an example of what we're talking about. Just completely arbitrary. We can do this to you in, in just tyrannical or psyop style anytime we want, whenever we want. And we'll bring it back whenever we want. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. We need to do a little now uh, police kind of cleanup action here in the war against COVID, Stan Bryan. And go back now and reverse and undo these precedents and have them punished so they cannot be used against us later on exactly because as you said it's not going away whether it's monkeypox or the next covid variant or some other thing uh that they they invent 
uh, quite frankly, to thrust upon us. It's not going away. And we need to file as many of these cases as possible. So, you know, you look at our total catalog of cases. We filed a lot of litigation the last couple of years, and we're continuing to build more and more cases. And some people might wonder, well, why is that? You know, you have this big case, Bill Salyer, your friend's case against Walmart and Hy-Vee supermarkets. We have another big case against Bristol-Myers Squibb for religious exemptions. We have a case against the state of New York for healthcare workers, and the list goes on and on and on. But the reason is we're not going to win every single case. Okay, it's just impossible. You're not going to win every one of these cases. So we need to have as many irons in the fire as possible so we can have at, even if it's just a select few of these large federal cases that we can set precedent for, get them to the United States Supreme Court. I know they haven't always been on our side on all of these issues, but we feel confident that at least a few of these cases, even if it's only one or two of these religious exemption cases, gets up there and we can get a major decision saying that it is illegal for employers to do this, for employers to disregard the religious beliefs of their employees, uh, especially when there is no public health emergency, when the data doesn't support it. We will bring science into this. We will show them the facts. There is absolutely, what are we, two and a half years into this now, Steve? Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're trying to still convince people that it's necessary to have a mandate, not only in healthcare settings, but for a maintenance technician who is on a basketball court, probably half the time working by himself or with just a couple of other guys on the court um, doing maintenance, that he needs to have all of his boosters or he's the threat to public health. I mean, I, I just don't get it. It's because it's not about science, or as you well know, it's not about science or and standards or anything like that. It's about power. And the idea that we control you and we can inflict that power and impose it upon you whenever we desire and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's why we have to reverse these precedents. Now, you guys are fighting on several fronts, though, not just COVID, Stan. And that's where we first heard about your organization, because frankly, you were one of the few, the proud, that actually ran into the battle against COVID, Stan, when a lot of other big names just stood on the sidelines for about a year. So thankfully, you guys got involved and kind of shamed them to getting into the fight at the exact same time. But you guys are battling on a couple of other fronts right now. One of them is the gender issue in Boston. Tell us about that. So Brian Ruka is the parent of an 11-year-old fifth grade student in uh, a Kenny Elementary School uh, in Boston. So it's P Boston Public Schools. And Brian learned that his son was given an assignment called the gender reveal. And he didn't really know what that was. Uh, but when he dug into it, it's a story apparently about a 13-year-old boy who uh, you know, has this birthday party and um, at the celebration reveals that he's non-binary. And so he complained about this because Brian is a, uh, a Christian, a Catholic. He's very much opposed uh, to his son being taught this ideology as uh, many of us are. I know, you know, I am and, and your listeners, you uh, do not want this being indoctrinated into our youth. And so he brought this to the attention of uh, the school administrators and was told that he was not going to be granted an exemption. His request for an exemption was going to be denied at this time, they said, because this uh, and they didn't classify this as uh, sexual health education, because it was part of a series of stories, uh, which included other topics such as race and religion. Brian went to the school board meeting and very, very, uh, you know, uh, poignantly uh, noted that, hey, wait a second. Are you, so you're saying if this was a story about someone dedicating his life to Christ, you, there wouldn't <laughs> be any, any problem with that or, 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 or going to a March for Life parade? 
you wouldn't have any problem with that. And, you know, of course, they, they don't respond uh, when you ask, you know, logical questions like that. And, and so we are going to file a federal lawsuit. Our attorneys are going to be filing a federal lawsuit against the Boston Public Schools. We've already announced that. Brian also has a fundraiser because, again, this litigation, folks, you know, I, I hate to always keep talking about money. You, you mentioned a moment ago the, the big boys standing on the sidelines. Well, even though they were standing on the sidelines, Steve, they have way more dollars than we do in funding, million, to the tune of, of millions more in funding than we do. Um, so, you know, each one of these lawsuits, you're talking fifty dollars to $100,000. Uh, Brian's lawsuit fundraiser is at 50000 right now. We have that up on our website. Unfortunately, because of what this administration has done in this, in this country with the economy, with inflation, uh, fundraising, gift giving is way down. And listen, I get it. All right. Things are tight for me as well and my family. Um, but this is exactly part of their plan. You know, the global elite have a plan that they've put into place. And part of it, next thing I'd like to mention is, is our fight against disarming the people because we're taking that up as well. But part of it is uh, that they want to uh, squeeze us out economically so that we can't fight back. Because when you can barely you know, put food on the table, when you can barely fill your tank with gas, the last thing you're thinking about is charitable giving. And I get it. But we, even if it's only $5, you, you, one tank of gas there, if you're lucky these days, um, find a way to give, give monthly if you can, uh, so that we can keep filing these lawsuits. Because eventually what will happen if the fundraising, as you know, decreases to a level that it's not sustainable anymore. We just won't be able to take on any more cases, at least for a period of time. Uh, and, and that's what they want. They want us to roll over. So we, the PatriotsUSA.org is where people can donate either monthly or one time for any of these causes. Brian does have a fundraiser up there. Uh, we feel very strongly that the indoctrination of our children is just as much a threat to public health, mental health, physical health, as is, um, you know, these, these COVID stand mandates. Real quick, mention the Second Amendment case for us before we go. So in response to what happened in Uvalde, and I know everybody has their different theories and opinions, but the point is, whenever there is a tragedy like this, they exploit it. Okay, the people in power, the tyrants in power in this country are exploiting it so that they can disarm the people. You know about Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. Okay, and one of them is disarm the people. Very, very important one. I would say probably the most important because they can't fight back if you disarm them. Okay, unlike every other country that doesn't have a Second Amendment, we have a right to keep and bear arms. And that's not just for a militia. As you know, the Supreme Court has declared very emphatically that is an individual right to keep and bear arms. All right. And so we are going to defend this. We see what's happening in New York already with the legislation they just passed, what the Biden administration is threatening to do, take away nine millimeter handguns, uh, you know, ban uh, the purchase and sale of certain firearms like AR-15s and, um, you know, am certain ammunition. We are going to fight back against this very strongly because we feel this is just as actually the Second Amendment arguably is the most important amendment in the Bill of Rights because it protects all of your other rights, as you know. It, you know, if you can keep yourself armed and protected from a tyrannical government and protect your home from people, who knows, you know, that that are trying to do you harm, um, then then you are, are much more empowered. And you know, a, a, an armed population um, is is a free population. Uh, that's that's what I believe, and I'm sure you share that that view as well. Um, and I would absolutely encourage everyone to donate to our Second Amendment litigation fund. It's at wethepatriotsusa.org. You'll see a fundraiser there for that as well. 
Um, you know, other organizations out there are doing it. We love uh, what the Gun Owners, Gun Owners of America does, and, and uh, we are looking to, uh, you know, work alongside them in some of their efforts. I'm, I'm reaching out to them to try to uh, see if they would uh, be willing to partner with us. Uh, but there needs to be more organizations doing this, because as I always say, you know, it can't just be, you know, one here or one there. We need to have as many organizations as possible fighting this, because it's very costly. Brian, you guys do great work. Appreciate you coming back on the show. Keep it up. All right. God bless. Take care. Thank you. God bless. You bet. And let me say this now that he's gone. Um, I'll say it so he doesn't have to. I, I can't probably render a verdict on a lot of your state or local organizations and whether they are worth your money or not. But I certainly can on the national ones. I, I can tell you who moves numbers and who doesn't. I can, I can tell you who's just a fundraising front and puts out a voter ID or voter ID, uh, puts out a voter, uh, you know, issue card and does nothing else and calls that a win. Who's just here to fill spots for an event once a year or a conference or a banquet who actually takes scalps. So you're always welcome to email me, Steve at stevedace.com. Ask me that question. But I can't, I can't give a better endorsement other than I have taken my own money on several occasions. They're not a client of the show and donated it to wethepatriotsusa.org because they're trying. They're trying to win. Not trying to meet a fundraising deadline to maintain all kinds of overhead. They're trying to win. And I would guess the vast majority of national groups that some of you are spending 25, 50, 100 bucks a month on donating to, if you emailed me and said, would it be a better, a better way to invest my money to give it to, I'll, you know, I'll just give you one. Family Research Council. They're not dishonest. They're just, they're ineffective. They don't do anything. I mean, I watched Tony Perkins was unable to win his own state for us on the cruise campaign in Louisiana. They don't do anything. They just educate you on issues that you can find from people like us and get a podcast for free and not give us 50 bucks a month. They don't move any numbers. I have never seen any. We used to have here at the family leader, one of the, one of the big people at our office left there to come here because he wanted to actually move numbers. Nate, remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't do anything. I don't think I, I wouldn't give them money if they came to us as a client and said, hey, we want you to help us raise money unless it was a, something very specific that I could say, hey, we here's a benchmark you have to do. There's no way I'd tell you to give them money. I'd give it to wethepatriotsusa.org instead. That's why I give my money to them and not FRC. We'll come back. Hour two next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Look for me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. And you can get clips of the show 
that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Those of you who are podcast listeners, thank you very much to all of you. For next week's Ask Me Anything, I want to do something different. Todd, you ready for this? All right, here's what I want to do. Next week for the Ask Me Anything, and I'll remind you here the rest of this week, all right? Next week, I want you, if you leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform, but especially on iTunes, because that's the biggest one, all right? If you leave us a five-star review on iTunes and you put a question for Ask Me Anything in there, you will go to the front of the line for next week's Ask Me Anything. This is a great idea. So if your five-star review includes an Ask Me Anything question, no topic off limits, all right? then Todd will give you the first dibs on getting your question answered on the air next Monday for the Ask Me Anything if it includes a five-star review on iTunes. Got it? This could be chaos. This could be. It could be. Thank you to the thousands of you, by the way, that have left us those five-star reviews. We appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, also hit subscribe and follow for us on your podcast platform of choice if you are yet to do that. But remember... If you leave us a five-star review on iTunes and it includes a question for Ask Me Anything, you go to the front of the line for next Monday's AMA. So keep that in mind. All right, coming up, uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. You might be looking at options for dunkirking your kids the hell out of the government schools. And you're wondering, though, where do I go? Hey, one place that I could personally recommend because I know the people who started it because we were in the trenches together fighting against Common Core. Uh, And I had my own son, Noah, enrolled in Freedom Project Academy as well. So I've seen how it operates up close and personal. They have perfected the art of online learning, full accreditation available to you as well. They will help your child learn how to think, not what to think. Critical thinking is a must at FPA. And your kid will learn mastery of important subject matter, not spirit of the age propaganda that doesn't matter. All right. If you want to get a free information packet today, do it now because spots are already filling up fast for this fall. When you go to freedomforschool.com, F-O-R, by the way, freedomforschool.com. Again, head over, check out freedomforschool.com. Coming up at the bottom of this hour, we're going to delve into an election this year that not a lot of people are talking about, but it has an opportunity to be as impactful as any other. Who will be the president of the the next president of the Southern Baptist Convention? That has been a denomination that has gone from extremely culturally impactful to really the last five years mired in all kinds of civil wars and conflicts and uh, and, uh, you know, team Russell Moore versus team everybody else. And, uh, and, and, and it, it's got its own elites and intelligentsia that think it's their job to put a, a, a you know, a, a happy, uh, brand on S a kinder, gentler branding on the SBC. And it's just frankly lost. I don't know how else to put it. Lost a lot of its cultural effectiveness. And, and I'll be very blunt. I'm only agreeing to do this interview because I personally know the people that asked me to do it. The last time I was asked to interview an SBC president, it was J.D. Greer. He came on the show, did a phenomenal job, and then turned out to be quite the disappointment in the post. So if, it, if I didn't personally know the people that were recommending the gentleman running for the office that we're going to talk to here at the bottom of the hour, 
and this is inside baseball. I'm letting the audience in on yeah. what was going on internally here with the show last week. If I didn't personally know them, there's no way I'd do this. So I don't know the I don't know this candidate. I'm going to meet him with all of you at the bottom of this hour. But I know the people that represent him, and they're people that I would be willing to let represent me. I trust them. So we're going to give this guy a shot because his position is very important when it comes to the cultural, or the position he's running for anyway. Very important when it comes to the cultural direction of the country. So we will do that at the bottom of the hour. Let's get to fake news or not, brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. If you are a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet is so very important. Its health and happiness is important. It means more than just feeding it, especially when the food that you're giving it probably is lacking the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that your pet needs. And that's where Rough Greens comes into play. It is the supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food that restores those vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were uh, stripped from that food before it ever left the factory. They do the same stuff to the food we eat, guys. That's why we're taking so many supplements these days. And now there's one for your pet, but you might be skeptical and you should be of everything. Uh, You might think, hey, what happens if my pet doesn't like it? What happens if I don't see a difference? Well, that's why we give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free when you go to roughgreens.com. You pay for the shipping, but the bag is on us just to get you started to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. So for fake news or not, we're going to show you a clip of an interview. This is courtesy of the Jesse Kelly program. Naomi Wolf, who was recently on this show promoting her new book, The Bodies of Others. Well, since she was just on this show, she and a team of knowledgeable folks in these fields have been digging through the latest batch of Pfizer disclosures from the successful lawsuit that our friends over at uh, the High Wire brought earlier this year that's going to force Pfizer to disclose these documents many, many years before the FDA was going to make them do it. In this clip, Jesse has asked her to summarize some of the findings from these Pfizer documents that her and her team have uncovered from this legal action. We've edited this clip down. It's going to be long. But this is it's this long after it was edited down. Is this fake news or not? Watch this. What's in these documents that I, I mean, I've been looking through the New York Times and the Washington Post. I've got them all in front of me here. I can't find anything about these 55,000 Pfizer documents. That seems like it would be important. What's in there? Yeah, I mean, you're literally describing the biggest headline that major media is completely ignoring um, with the greatest, biggest story, I think, of, of our era. And they're just completely tuning it out. So basically what happened was that a court ordered um, Pfizer and the FDA to release these 55,000 documents that the FDA had requested the court to maintain under wraps for 75 years after we were all long gone. And uh, the documents being released, of course, journalists like you and me would have a hard time going through them, understanding them, vast trove, very technical. But something really extraordinary happened Um, Steve Bannon's The War Room sent out a call for volunteers and Daily Clout, my news site, sent out a call for volunteers and uh, 3,000 highly credentialed experts responded. Um, So we have this team of 
doctors, nurses, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, uh, lab clinicians, the biological scientists who are reading through the Pfizer documents and issuing easy to understand reports. And you can find them all on dailycloud.io. And the headlines of what they found are really shocking. I mean, the, the summary is that Pfizer has been committing a massive experiment on the human race. I don't, I don't think it's too much to say that with, with murderous outcomes um, and, not, and not telling us. And also our government knew. Um, Pfizer knew and the FDA knew a month after the rollout in November of 2020 that the vaccines did not work. They knew they had, quote, their words, waning efficacy or vaccine failure. Um, and they gave limited, if any, uh, protection. Well, you and I didn't know that until April of the following year, after millions of people had accepted two vaccines, thinking this is it, I'm done, I, you know, I'm protected. Because that's what we were told by the spokesmodels. They knew it wasn't true. Uh, and it wasn't until April of 2021, when a study came out of Israel showing waning efficacy and then, oh, wow, I guess you need a booster. I guess you need six boosters, right? We weren't told that the mRNA, the lipid nanoparticles and the spike protein does not stay in the deltoid injection site, even though every doctor, every spokesperson claimed that it did. I had doctors telling me when I said, where does it go? They said, oh, it stays in the deltoid, of course. Not true. Pfizer knew and the FDA knew that within 48 hours, it goes right into your bloodstream and from there, it lodges in your liver. And again, many, many children are having liver problems now. People are mystified. It goes into your liver. It goes into your adrenals, your lymph nodes. And if you're a woman, it goes into your ovaries um, and lodges there. They knew that. Um, Pfizer lost hundreds of, of records of, of adverse events. They stopped locating them. Uh, Pfizer knew that about four months after the rollout of the mass vaccination, there have been 42, more than 42,000 adverse events. Oh, more than 1,200 people died. And four of those people died on the day that they were injected. They knew in May of 2021 that uh, 35 teenagers had had heart damage a week after having been injected with mRNA uh, vaccines. And they didn't tell us, uh, the FDA knew they didn't tell us. Millions of teens, including young adults that I love, as a result of the rollout and the EUA approval in June of 2021, saying, go ahead, it's okay for teens, safe and effective. Um, they didn't tell parents till August of 2021 about myocardial. Um, so that was for months in which parents did not have informed consent and went ahead and got their minors injected. Moderna's dose, according to the Pfizer documents, is 100 micrograms of these lipid nanoparticles, spike protein and mRNA. Um, Pfizer's dose for adults is 30, so less than a third the same amount. Pfizer knew that 100 micrograms was so dangerous and had so many more adverse events that they stopped it internally due to its reactogenicity, that's their word. But they didn't tell my mom who got the 100 microgram Moderna dose. They didn't tell anyone who got the, the first and second Moderna dose that the, the amount was too high. So I asked them to drill down into pregnancy and childbirth and lactation because 
I did the research, and I share this with readers in the bodies of others, showing that the CDC was saying safe and effective, and the New York Times was saying safe and effective for pregnant women, but there were no studies, no studies showing that that was true. Well, the Pfizer document volunteers found that the claims that the vaccines were safe and effective for pregnant women was based on a study of 44 French rats that lasted for 42 days. Uh, there wasn't even enough time given these rats, these mother rats to give birth and see if their baby rats were okay. They autopsied the fetuses, decided they were fine for human women and their babies. And then the people who ran this uh, study were doctors who were shareholders or employees of Pfizer and BioNTech. In the internal documents, it shows that babies are getting sick and dying from vaccinated mothers. It shows that 270 women, even though pregnant women were excluded from the trials, right? So therefore no basis on which to say they were safe and effective. Nonetheless, 270 women got pregnant during the uh, during the, the period that they were being followed by Pfizer. Um, <laughs> the records of 230 of those are gone. No one see, can find them, they are missing but 36 pregnant women were followed. They gave birth, vaccinated women. 28 of those women lost their babies. Oh. 20 women, the babies died. Fake news or not? Of course it's not fake news. I told you, I'm, this is why I'm an anti-vaxxer. This was has been going on for a long time, and you tell you how could this be true, and why would they do this if it's so, now that if it was going to be so obvious, and once it got out into the open, that's why you you have to think it, about it exactly different. They're dealing with you. They think of you as drug addicts because you are. You've been unquestioning about pumping this crap into your body for a very long time, well before COVID. And they know there's never going to be any consequences because all these politicians love their money. And yes, these people are part of a great reset. They're trying to kill you. They're trying and it's working and they know there's never any pushback. Why would they be afraid? Even if this stuff, tell me, even if this all gets out, God bless uh, Naomi Wolf and, and the high wire and us for doing it. Uh, on this show for the uh, since the very beginning, where are the consequences? You guys keep getting in line and jacking up your kids. They they're not afraid. They're who's who's going to write stories about it? It, it? It's just like with January sixth, just like with January sixth. Now they're hiring an ABC producer to glam up. The January 6th thing. They're going to do the same thing with this. It's all a show. And they always either get away with it or win on the show. But they're trying to kill you with this. This It wasn't an accident. Just like gas prices being high, not an accident. Them knowing that this was not healthy for you, not an accident. But they treat you like drug addicts because you are.
in many in this way in a lot of other ways you just need to be comfortable i just need to be left alone I, again i'm out of words you're either a citizen and you fight or you're a slave that's it and a lot of you love being slaves <sighs> this is one of those things it's either true or it's not and i you know even if even if i i could not which you can go on that website even if i could not verify down to the last jot and tittle all of this by myself just seeing the way humans have behaved towards each other whether your name is the great horse doctor albert burla or Anthony Fauci, or uh, what is it, uh, that Idaho uh, small-town uh, police officer who arrests moms. Seeing the way be- humans have behaved towards each other the last two years, if you just hit me with this raw, hit me with this cold, I would have said, yeah, I'm erring on the side of this not being fake news. Hmm. My fear along the lines of what Todd has been saying There's lies and there's gaslighting. A lie is just a lie. Red is not blue. Gaslighting is there was never red. There was only blue. Mm. Mm. But there's now a third category that I'm very, very concerned about. There's a third category that's gaslighting yourself. Gaslighting yourself. That's even worse because whether it's because you don't want to believe the truth or whether you've been gaslit so much that you now just do it automatically, gaslighting yourself, um, red, blue. No, there's never, there was never any red. It's always been blue. You want an example of this? Todd has, has, has brought this up on numerous occasions. Before all of this with the COVID jab went down, I just had a natural impulse to push back on the always vaxxers because of how I saw him treated. One, one episode of this was online on Twitter with a, a former some, somebody who uh, fashions herself as, as right wing, a former contributor to The Federalist. I think she called you a monster, Dodd. Yes. I just saw, funny, I just saw a tweet of hers come on my my feed just last hour. So I did some digging just to see, hey, maybe she's had a change of heart with all of this. She got the second booster of the Moderna vaccine. Right around Christmas, it looks like. Around New Year's, she said she's never been, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, never been sicker in her life. Around New Year's, right after getting the booster, the Moderna booster, Mm. never been sicker in her life. Wow. Does anybody have any experience with the Moderna vaccine? Boy, this is a weird vaccine. It's 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 working a little weirdly. And I thought, okay, maybe maybe this is her wake up call. No, 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 no. Right winger, right winger, apparently. Later, she's talking about uh, it would have been so much worse without the vaccine. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's oh my. gaslighting yourself. Yep. You are dead on. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. That the cost of believing this, that not believing this, the cost of admitting that this is true, even 25% of it, is too much for your fill in the blank. That's what I'm concerned about. 
Whether it's because in our own fallen state, we just don't want to believe that, or whether it's because we've been gaslit so much by the same people that we just do it to ourselves instinctively, that's what I'm concerned about. Just the programming, essentially what I'm saying, is so deep and systemic, we can't get out of it. Let me... I wish I could say I was surprised by what you just described. I've just seen it. I've just seen it so many times. And that's that's how you know you're you're dealing with idolatry or cult behavior. That's that's how you know. I've used the analogy before everybody waiting in line the next spring planting season again to throw their babies into the fire to Maloke even though last year they had the worst harvest they ever had. But if they didn't throw their babies into the fire to Maloke, it would have been even worse, guys. It would have been even worse. Even more people would have starved. Here's what I'll say about Naomi's claims. Here's how you know they could absolutely be true without taking the time to go through 50,000 documents on your own, I'm going to show you right now how, it, how they could very well be true. You should at least on a prima facie basis accept the possibility that everything she said is real news. In September of 2020, Anthony Fauci did an interview. Some of you might remember us talking about it at the time. He did a Zoom interview with Hollywood actress Jennifer Garner. In this interview, Jennifer Garner asks Anthony Fauci about vitamin D. Does he use it? Does it really boost your immune system? Would he recommend it? In this interview, Fauci says, yes, that's one of the supplements that I actually take that I would recommend others take. She, he even tells her that he takes 10,000 IUs a day. He's a little dude, man. Like five, two, a buck oh five. That's a lot. That's what I take. I'm about six feet and about 260. Okay. 10,000 IUs is a lot. But there was never any public campaign to urge people to take vitamin D to boost their immune systems. He said it in this obscure interview with Jennifer Gardner. How many times did he not say this on all of these various media appearances? How many times did anybody with any official government moniker urge you to have your vitamin D levels checked to know what your optimum level is and to make sure you reach it right away? I'll answer that one for you. Never. And let me tell you why that's important. Because our own data here in the U.S. found that about 80% of COVID hospitalizations during the pandemic were among people who were vitamin D deficient. 80%. 80%. 80%. In Israel, you know what they found there? Israel found that if you were vitamin D sufficient and you're at the hospitalization stage of COVID, which means you have a serious infection, right? 
If you were vitamin D sufficient, there was a 3% chance that you would die in the hospital with COVID there. Keep in mind, neither here nor in Israel is anybody getting the hydroxychloroquine protocol. No one's getting the budenicide protocol. No one's getting the ivermectin protocol, right? Neither one of these governments is sanctioning this as a treatment, right? Right. So this is just straight up vitamin D by itself. So here in our country, 80% were the people that were hospitalized with COVID vitamin D deficient. In Israel, they took it a step further. Well, what's the hospitalization outcome based on vitamin D? 3% died if they were vitamin D sufficient. 25% died if they were not. That's by an order of more than 8 times magnitude you were more than eight times more likely to die in an israeli hospital with covid vitamin d deficient compared to sufficient you can all go to target right now and believe me looking at their financial report they need the business you can all go to target right now get a bottle 5000 iu pills of vitamin d take two of those They'll last you like that'll that bottle lasts you like three or four months, like five bucks, six bucks. That one gesture before we ever learn what a Dr. Urso was or a Dr. Cole was or met Dr. Peter McCullough or Pierre Corey or any or Vladimir Zelenko or any of these other people that developed these protocols that bucked the trend, just doing that on its own, all the data showed would have severely dented the amount of carnage done by COVID-19. And when asked directly about it by Jennifer Garner, Anthony Fauci admitted it's even part of his regimen. But yet, they made, and to this day, because would boosting your immune system just have a positive impact on COVID-19? No, it would have a positive impact on everything else. On everything else. To this day, not a word. Nothing. That even with Bidenflation, we can all afford vitamin D. Nothing. Not a word. And that's how you know every word of what Naomi Wolf says right there could absolutely be true. Because the same people... The same people and the same beliefs that would cause them to hide this very simple prophylactic from you that would have far-reaching implications positively for your immune system beyond COVID-19. Are anybody capable of that? Is absolutely capable of everything that Naomi Wolf claims is in that data. That's how you know that it could be true. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, to sum up, uh, all of those that went to the hospitals and were treated the way that they were, you would have been better off if they just wheeled you outside and let you sit in the sun. Yes! Let you just get a sunburn. Yeah. You would have been better off medically. Yeah. 
Do you, it, it, yes. Chances are your odds would be better if they just planted you outside with a lot of sunblock and let you just soak up the rays than wheeled you into one of those death machines called the hospitals where they where you were lucky if you got out of there alive, especially especially if we narrowed it down to the ICU, Aaron. If we just said, what are your better odds, going outside and sitting in the sun or going to an American ICU? Well, I can tell you because I know that data. I know what that data is. You'd have been a hell of a lot better just sitting outside. I have stated before that ever since you started uh, asking the question, what's the benign, innocent explanation? I just cringe and I still cringe and I still hate that question. But I keep asking myself that question more and more frequently. This is all true. You think Anthony Fauci knows that vitamin D helps? Yes, he does because he took it. What's the benign, innocent explanation why this was not one of the frontline leading, leading things? Why was it all non-pharmaceutical intervention, shutdowns, masks, before the only pharmaceutical intervention, big pharma? What's the benign, innocent explanation for that? Indeed. Coming up next, an election that is very important that really few are talking about, but we will in a moment. Built Bars are the perfect snack for when you're on the go because Built Bars are really just perfect. Uh, They're absolutely the greatest protein bar of all time. So many great flavors. They've got several different lines of products now. Uh, Somebody was, uh, hey, you got to give a shout out to the Boost uh, from Built Bar. I've not tried that one yet, but uh, I'm sure it's great because they make it. Uh, And everything else they make is great. Uh, The Built Bar Puffs, the Granola Bars, the Built Bars themselves, there's a reason why they were the official protein bar of the U.S. Olympic team in the last Olympics. And they should be your official protein bar as well, because you're not going to tell the difference between Built Bars and a lot of the candy bars out there, except when you look at the back of the label and you see a lot fewer calories, like most of them are 160 calories or less, a lot fewer sugars, a lot fewer carbs, all the protein and flavor you're looking for don't have to choose anymore between eating healthy and eating Tasty. Uh, Use our friends over at Built Bar right now. When you go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar, Built.com, they still have those brownie batter puffs, by the way, that I've been raving about. They've got a caramel brownie flavor that's out right now, too. I've not tried that one yet. Built.com, use the promo code DACE to get 10% off at checkout. Promo code DACE for Built Bar at Built.com. Well, this might be the most important election this year that no one is talking about, but it probably depends on who wins. Because... For decades in America, probably the list of of entities that were more culturally impactful than the Southern Baptist Convention was a very short one. The Southern Baptist Convention remains in American history still the only denomination that's ever gone left and came back. And that's because men like Adrian Rogers and Paul Pressler in another era literally purged the convention of the heretics. I can't even imagine what social media would do today if somebody tried to do something like this. But they did it. Okay. Um, And after they did that purge, the SBC became one of the most culturally influential uh, enterprises we had in the country. The last few years, I'm not a Southern Baptist, so I'm just looking at it from afar, just as a fellow evangelical. It just looks to me like the whole thing's been mired in political infighting and urination contests uh, and personality cults. 
uh, and it's kind of you know lost its way, which is why, as we welcome our guest and candidate for SBC president Tom Askell here onto the show, this is why Tom. Just going to be blunt with you, brother. I was hesitant to do this interview. Okay. And, and, <laughs> I, I understand. And 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 the last time, because the last time I did this, I was sold by some people that I trusted. You need to meet this JD Greer guy. So we put him on, did a good job on the show, and then I. I watched whatever the Rocky Horror Picture Show that was for the next few years after he won. All right. But I don't know you, but I know the people that are representing you and they're people that I would trust to represent me. And so that's why I agreed to do this, because we would like to make the Southern Baptist Convention the Southern Baptist Convention again. So let's start there, Tom. Um, is, is my characterization of what's happened to the SBC the last few years, do you view that to be fair or unfair? I think it's fair, Steve. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of layers to everything, but I would certainly say as an insider, somebody who's been Southern Baptist my whole life, that we have definitely lost our way over the last several years. And what you described about the conservative resurgence that took place in the late 70s and 80s and 90s, I was a part of that. I lived through that, started out as a student, and uh, praise God for the good things that happened from that. But I fear that after God was so kind to us in that, that we kind of sat back on our laurels and maybe began to thump our chest a little bit and say, look at us, look what we've done. And we've lost our way as a result. Maybe a triumphalistic spirit took hold and we lost the fear of God. And as a result, we became very vulnerable to all of these cultural ideologies like critical race theory, intersectionality, and even queer theory. And a lot of the LGBTQ stuff, you know, it all comes from the same neo-Marxist postmodern root those things have infiltrated every area of our culture, and sadly, churches have not been immune, and the churches of the SBC, and more particularly, the institutions of the SBC have not been immune either. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, uh, we are in a mess today, and uh, we're facing a reckoning, and it's time for God's people to humble ourselves before the Lord, to seek His face. And one of my great concerns as a Southern Baptist pastor is that God would grant to us a genuine spirit of repentance where we would return to a fear of the living God. You've got a successful church. You've got a big family. It's not as if you need to add things uh, on your to-do list, right? Okay. So, so why step into this fray at this time? And if you're successful, take on a mantle that will come with it. Um, And if you do the sorts of things you're talking about right now and redirecting this kind of a cultural weapon of mass destruction along those lines, I mean, you and your family would face, uh, well, frankly, the kind of stuff that uh, my buddy Matt Walsh is facing right now for his film. So why step into this breach now for you? Well, it's a great question. Um, People have asked me for years if I'd be willing to be nominated to be the president of the SBC, and I've just never had any ambition about that. I love the church I serve. I've been here 36 years. People are great. They're kind to me. Uh, As you said, I've got a growing family, 15 grandkids and more on the way, and um, I, I love where God has me in life. I do other things that just keep me busy. But they finally prevailed upon me in February of this year, in March. They said, look, you've been writing about these things. You have been uh, arguing that we need change. Why won't you step up and let us nominate you? And so I agreed to do it. The leaders of the church agreed to do it. And um, I'm doing it for several reasons. I, I love the Southern Baptist Convention. And God's used this convention of churches. You know, we're not, there's no such thing as the Southern Baptist Church. It's 47,000 independent autonomous churches that 
join together voluntarily to do things that we can do together we can't do alone. And I love that. We've done a lot of good. We haven't been perfect, and we've got our problems. But God's used us for over 175 years. And quite honestly, when I look at the impact the SBC can have, has had on culture, I know that that impact is not going away. It'll either be for good or for ill. And I look at my grandkids, nine years old and under, and I, 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 I'm concerned for them. I, hmm. I want to do whatever I can before I leave this world to at least leave some markers for them so that if things continue on and God continues to let uh, horrific things come into our culture and even our churches, that they'll be able to look back and say, you know what, oh, Paps, he tried. Uh, he, he took a stand. He didn't just roll over and let these things happen. So I, I love the Lord Jesus. I want him to receive the honor that he deserves. I believe God is able to change things. Our God raises people from the dead. And so I believe that he can change this convention of churches. We're the largest Protestant denomination in North America, largest missionary sending force in the world. We educate one third of all evangelical seminary students, which means if you're in, in an evangelical church, probably in the next 30 years, you'll be directly impacted by someone who's had influence by being trained at one of our seminaries. <laughs> that matters. That matters. I can't stand idly by and uh, do nothing. I know we're in a public forum, but I want to, do I have your permission? I want to share a couple of things that I observed from sure. the SBC in recent years on a personal level sure. that I found disconcerting. Okay. Sure. In 2016, I was on the Ted Cruz for president campaign. I was a strategist for that campaign. All right. Mm -hmm. um, I think he might have been at that time, the only Southern Baptist still in the race, or maybe him and Mike were both mm -hmm. still in at that point in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Russell Moore did an invite of presidential candidates for an event with the SBC. The only two candidates that got invited were actually both Catholics um, right. and were both pro open borders. The two guys yeah. who were actually SBC members did not get invited. And, and, and so to me, I don't, what, what's the plumb line there? If it's, if it's, if it's your particular position on an issue, um, that, that, um, there clearly can be some level of biblical, uh, grace for some level of biblical conscience for, and so you're going to be de facto excommunicated from the, uh, denomination. If you don't have, if you're not on the, the, within the shade of gray on this one, uh, or the, the right of conscience on this one than I am, I found that one to, that to be very concerning. And I found, I, frankly, I found the antics of Beth Moore to be very concerning over the last few years. And I, and I say, this as someone, I'm not wearing Donald Trump underoos. All right. I, I mean, Tom, I, I, I've known Trump for years and I, I've, I, I, on a day to day basis, man, I'm either I'm waving pom poms or I'm cringing. OK, but so I, I can understand why there might be elements within the church that are concerned about being looking, looking like too closely aligned with a political sure. figure, particularly one that says some of the things he says at times. But right. but when you go to the extra mile of saying of then then saying then accusing the brethren smearing the brethren really of being racists here on our show we went to her specifically who are these racists we will help you I mean I've got a larger platform than you do Beth I'll I'll happily help amplify let's shame them let's get them purge them I'm totally all for that no replies whatsoever and then and then you start seeing that maybe you're just using Trump as a fig leaf for you to introduce your own aberrant teaching into the church and this is just the you know sort of the the ruse or the impetus that's really not about concerns over appearances it's just this is an excuse for you to maybe just kind of try to lead people astray what are your thoughts on those two things that i've got personal experience with 
Yeah, well, uh, Steve, I, I would uh, say that I, I can't argue against that. I mean, the what Russell Moore did in that uh, lack of invitation to the two Southern Baptists that were in the race at that time was shameful. And I've known Russ a long time. I'm, I'm glad he's not in the SBC anymore. At that time, he was leading one of our entities and agencies. Again, 47,000 churches, we cooperate, and we have a dozen entities and agencies, including seminaries and the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission that he was the head of until last year. And they're supposed to do the work that we give them to do. They're supposed to represent the churches. And that just hasn't happened time and time and time again. I could give you lots of stories where the disconnect between the people leading those institutions and agencies like the ERLC have just ignored the voice of the members who pay for them. Uh, These institutions belong to us. And so that was shameful. I thought it was uh, very, very poor. And Russell Moore has done some other very shameful things on his way out of the SBC last year. Uh, He smeared last year's uh, presidential candidate, a friend of mine, Mike Stone, by releasing letters, leaking letters that uh, were filled with accusations. If they were true, then Russell should have reported them to the police 18 months earlier because Mm. he said there's a culture where children are being ripped to shreds and women are being raped that's been created by this executive committee. And Mike was the chairman of that. Well, look, Tennessee is a mandatory reporting state. So if he's telling the truth, somebody should be knocking on his door saying, why didn't you report this? The whole thing stinks to high heavens. It's not of Jesus Christ. It's not the way of God. It's contrary to his law. It's a violation of his gospel. So I say yes and amen to that. And then you're right also. I've been called a Trumpian more times than I can count. And I have publicly rebuked some of the things that President Trump did while he was president. I applauded some of the things that he did while he was president. And I am no Trumpster. I praise God for every good decision any politician makes, but we are not political animals. The Church of Jesus Christ is not a political action committee, and yet we want to speak to political authorities as the Bible tells us to do, and we pray for ours. We pray for President Biden every week in our church, as we have done for several presidential administrations, but we are to say to them, this is what your job is. You're God's deacon. That doesn't mean that we want a church state or a state church, but you must exercise your responsibilities with righteousness in the fear of God, because the day is coming when you'll stand to give an account to him, and God has ordained you as his servant in the civil arena to carry out justice and to punish injustice. That's the state's job. So I would agree with you on all of that as a church, as a pastor, and as one who participates in this association of 47,000 churches. uh, We are not engaged in political activism per se, but we are engaged in standing for God's law and God's gospel and doing our best to introduce people to this God who one day we'll all stand before and give an account. Final thing I want to ask you about, Tom, and we had about two minutes here left. How much of this is just ironically... We, it, it, we just kind of forgot Sola Scriptura here. There, there, all these sideshows and all these causes. I mean, there, we got all kinds of organizations and other things that can get involved in all that kind of stuff. But right. but someone's got to be the plumb line here that says, thus speak it the Lord God of hosts, right? That then, right. you know, hopefully infects and influences all these other uh, causes and sideshows further on down the, 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 you know, the food chain here. How much of it is just your denomination is just at, at, the, at, a, at a leadership level has just kind of lost its way on just we're here to preach the Bible. We represent the word of God. That's what we do. 
Hey, man, I, you know, we, we pride ourselves in believing in the inerrancy of Scripture. I praise God for that. But I've been arguing for years now. We've got too many theoretical inerrantists among us. And one of the things I've been hammering is this phrase, we have a book. We have a book. God has spoken. In fact, we've got a website called wehaveabook.com where people can go and get more information about the vote next week in Anaheim, where I'll be nominated as president and Southern Baptist Messengers can go and, and vote for that. But you're exactly right. We, we all hold the Bible and say, oh, yeah, we believe the Bible, but we've been neglecting what that Bible says. God does not stutter about these issues of righteousness and these issues of justice, these issues of love and mercy. And yet we keep taking our cues from the world. We let other people who don't know God tell us what is just, what is loving and what is merciful. And we can no longer afford to do that. God calls us to speak for him. Tom Askell, appreciate you coming on here, and uh, we'll be watching that vote here soon. Thank you very much. Is there a yeah. website you want to direct people to if they want to get more information really quick? Yes, uh, www.wehaveabook.com. And Steve, uh, thanks for uh, taking a gamble and bringing me on your show. <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. All right, take care. You too. Thanks. Uh, what are you viciously loyal to? You can hear uh, some of uh, Tom's convictions there in that interview we just did. And that's where our friends at Viciously Loyal come in. They are a purpose-driven brand, uh, unique as the people that wear it. Uh, it comes born from a long line of servicemen and women who choose to be servants to their community, live their lives with purpose in everything they do. And that's why all Viciously Loyal gear is designed and printed right here in the U.S. of A. with serious style, maximum comfort, durable construction, uh, they've got tremendous uh, T-shirts and tank tops and more that you can look at. Hats designed to fit your individual style when you go to viciouslyloyal.com. That's viciouslyloyal.com. I cannot promise you if you put on this T-shirt, you'll look like that guy. All right. But they do they do look they do make you look good. Viciouslyloyal.com. Discount code Steve will get you a massive 20 percent discount at viciouslyloyal.com. All right, Aaron, your thoughts on the conversation we just had. I think the way that that you ended is is the way that any path forward is going to have to begin with. What is our what is our plumb line? We talked to, I talked about the plumb line aspect of this uh, on Thursday when we started talking about your book. Do what you believe for theology Thursday. What is our plumb line the, the, when when the church is at its best and it's never going to be perfect because the church is made up of sinners we're all sinners it's never going to be perfect when it when was the time that we we got things right well we are, we're always getting things uh we're always getting things wrong we're, not, we're never going to get everything right this t- this side of eden but i believe if you look back in church history th- when we've done it the best when we've, when we've been at our best it's when scripture the word of god is our plumb line and not just reacting to the the, the, the cultural uh, winds of the day or the intra-church winds of the day it's when our plumb line is scripture and that's going to have to be the first thing the first thing SBC gets back to if they have a, a future and a path forward Amen We're back at it again tomorrow right after Glenn Beck Until then, John 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.